So in real estate, oftentimes you have to lock up a deal or get it under contract before you've even seen it. And I know that scares a lot of people who are who have bought their primary residence. They went around and saw a hundred different houses. They decided on one that they wanted. They went and saw it and then they put in the offer. It's very different. So what that means is you'll be, let's say, looking at Redfin every day and a deal will pop up. It will have been listed for about an hour. You literally have to talk to your agent and put in that offer as fast as you can. And sometimes getting that offer in within the first hour will get the deal locked up and off market and yours instead of if you found it five hours later. That It literally can be a matter of an hour that will make the difference of getting that property. Are you interested in learning more about owning your own portfolio, cash flowing rentals? If so, we invite you to take our free mini course, the Crash Course in Cash Flowing Rentals. When you take our mini course, you'll learn the strategies we use to build our portfolio. You'll also get to see several of our students featured who have successfully built their own portfolios as well. To take our crash course, link to semiretiredmd.com forward slash mini course, M-I-N-I dash C-O-U-R-S-E, or visit our website at semiretiredmd.com and link to the crash course on cash flowing rentals there. You may also want to join the waitlist for our introductory course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals, while you're at our website too. We'll see you there. This episode is sponsored by our brand new course called Fast Fire Bookkeeping for Real Estate Investors. Do you have a pile of receipts and a bunch of statements that are stacking up in your office and the pile isn't getting any smaller? Are your rental properties getting you closer to financial freedom? Do you even know how your properties are performing? Well, the answer to your problem is doing your books the right way, and that's what our course is about. We'll teach you how to set up your books the right way, not just for tax time, but also so you can unlock the insights that will help you maximize your cash flow. For more information or to sign up, go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash fastfire bookkeeping. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. We're really excited to have you with us here this week to talk about how to compete in a hot market. Now, for those of you who are actively investing in real estate, you know that this market is incredibly hot, that deals can be hard to come by, and that a lot of times people are spending months actually looking for properties. And this episode is really fueled by one of our student experiences in Empire Builders, which is our membership site. So several months ago, we had a student who was really frustrated. He was had been looking for a deal. He had been you know, going on Redfin every day and doing the work and was really having difficulty finding anything good. And so he posted in Empire Builders just how frustrated he was. And he had a lot of support in there. And one of the comments that was supporting him was one from another student who actually had just purchased a property in Austin, Texas with a greater than 10% cash on cash return. And that student said to the student who had posted, you know, I actually made my 
agent eat humble pie when I showed it was possible to get a property for over greater than 10% cash on cash return in the really hot Austin market. And I think that gave that student some hope. And not yet a couple months later, that same student who had been posting so frustrated actually had his own deal locked up and purchased. And so what we wanted to do in this episode was really to talk about this hot market and give you guys some tips on how you might be more successful getting deals in this current situation. Yeah. And specifically, we're going to talk about six uh, different ways you can compete in a hot market. And that example really is, illustrates the first one, uh, which is really mindset, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and I think mindset is not only the person who is investing, the investor, but also all the people around you, right? Telling you that you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we hear this a lot. We hear that students go to agents and the agents go, oh no, you can't find deals like that in this market. It's impossible. Or, you know, again, it's it's the word can't. For me, it's a trigger word. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use it myself and I really have to kind of police myself and make sure that, okay, when I say that, you know, what we always kind of teach our students is, you know, switch, switch from I can't to how can I? Yep. So it's not only you managing your own mind as a real estate investor. And every time you kind of hear yourself focusing on what's not happening or fo- and getting down and getting frustrated, because when that happens to you, you bring a, an energy to finding properties that are actually, is actually going to hinder you. So it's keeping yourself accountable, managing your own mind when you start to do that, but then also managing your mind when people around you are really telling you that it's impossible to do something. And again, that may come from the people you least expect it to come from, your agents. But the case is, in some cases, you may need to do some of the other tips we're going to teach you if that's happening to you frequently. Besides managing your mindset, there are some things you can actually do to help put yourself in a better situation. That's right. Yeah. I, uh, I did want to kind of say also that we talked about the word can't. And I think another word that people often uh, say is, uh, this is hard, right? Mm-hmm. It's too hard. And uh, I love one of the uh, coaches that we work with uh, says, well, what if it could be easy? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if your thought was that this is easy? I can I can make this easy, right? And then and then again, it kind of gets into how can I make this easy? And I'll tell you some of the tips that we're going to cover can make it easy. Actually, uh, if somebody, for example, somebody hands you a deal, well, that was easy, right? You you know, of course, getting to that point where somebody's willing to hand you an amazing deal, well, that's going to be a lot of how can I's and figuring out how to do that. But once somebody once you get to that point and somebody actually hands you a deal, then it is easy. Yeah. I think that brings up a really good point, which is ultimately we cause our own suffering and what you're telling yourself uh, really controls your experience of something. And so the more you can make something fun or a worthy challenger or make it easy, the better the experience will be for you and the more successful you will be. Yeah, I love that one worthy challenger, right? It's uh it it kind of uh, almost makes it more fun, right? Mm-hmm. When you when it you does. when you encounter something so difficult and you go, hmm, you know, this is a worthy challenger, you know, and and it uh, and it kind of almost like I don't know, gamifies it or lightens the mood. It doesn't feel so heavy or difficult or a weight on your shoulders, right? It's kind of like, okay, well, cool, I'm free, I can figure this out. And that's when I think you know your problem solving is really elevated, is that when you're in a different mind, you know, state of mind, you know, you're in a positive state of mind, as opposed to kind of a, a depressed or frustrated state of mind. Yeah. I think actually it reminds me of, of something we learned in Tony Robbins. There's times when he'll say, 
you know, we all tend to use our warrior type experience, right? We're always pushing, we're always forcing through, we're, you know, just working really hard, but sometimes you can use the magician Mm -hmm. and you can make it almost playful. You can almost make it a game and, and find that way through the experience that you may not have seen if you were just pushing and pushing and pushing. And so as much as you can make it fun, that's true. It's going to really change your experience and it's actually going to make you more successful, I believe anyway. Yeah. Just, just as an image, right. Just imagine, imagine this image, right. If you have a wall in front of you, the warrior busts through that wall, right. You know, and in the, in the, in the meantime, you're going to probably get injured and you're probably going to, you know, it's going to be really, really a challenge. Right. But think about the magician, right? The magician floats over the wall, right? Or or just walks around the wall <laughs> or, or you know, figures out a, a portal through the wall, right? So it's just, you know, again, the magician figures out a different way that that's just not brute force. And for those of you in the middle of deals, I think that's really applicable to the negotiation process too, because mm-hmm. it can be fun and mm-hmm. you can use your magician to come up with some solution that you may not have seen if you were just busting through. So yeah, awesome. I think that that covers mindset. Yeah, for sure. That's the first one, mindset. So let's cover the next one. Uh, what What is a, a second way that you can compete in a hot market? So number two is building relationships with agents mm-hmm. and agent or agents. It's, it's actually both. So number one, it really takes only one phenomenal relationship with one agent mm-hmm. to get incredible deals. Um, and one thing I forgot to mention earlier is there are always inefficiencies in the real estate market, even no matter how hot it is. So there are always deals to be found. And all it takes is a relation, a great relationship with one agent who puts you on the top of their list and brings you perhaps even multiple deals, that's all you need. In some cases, students and us will go find multiple agents in a market and work with them. But ultimately, it's just about the relationship that ultimately, even with one agent, that can make you successful. That's right. And that's how you can make it easy is that uh, now getting to the top of the list, right? That may be a worthy challenger, right? But once you are at the top of the list, that's how you make getting deals in a hot market easy. And again, as you said, uh, because there are inefficiencies, we know that there are deals out there. And if you don't believe me, go look at Redfin in your market, find a fully renovated property. And one thing I like to do is look at the price history for that property. And typically what you'll find is that that property was just acquired by somebody you know, at like a 60% discount, just like three or four months ago. And they're relisting that property at a huge premium And that's who you want to be. You want to be that person who bought that deal three or four months ago at a huge discount. And then you put in money to repair it. And then now it's valued much, much higher. And so we know that these deals exist because we see these examples out there of people buying these properties at huge discounts that you know most of us never see. Well, but if you have a relationship with an agent, right. you do get it. And, and right now, for those of you who don't know, we're searching for properties And we have actually multiple agents feeding us deals. And ultimately, those relationships are what's making it possible for us to be able to buy more properties. I'm going to bring in the mindset part to the Mm -hmm. agents here. In order for somebody to want to help you, they have to like you, Mm -hmm. right? And if you're frustrated, if you're angry about the current market, if you're focusing on all the negative, that's how you show up for your agent. Mm -hmm. Your agent isn't going to want to talk to you. Your agent isn't going to want to help you. You're negative and you are not bringing joy to their lives. You're not bringing value to them. Somebody else will be higher on the list. So again, that mindset part, how you carry yourself, how you bring yourself and show up to that relationship 
based on how you're managing your mind actually will determine number two, too, is the quality of the relationship you build and how much access you're going to have to those beautiful off-market deals. Love it. Yeah. So important. This week's podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals that will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the waitlist at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. This episode is sponsored by our upcoming virtual conference called the Fast Fire to Freedom Summit, running August 17th through the 20th, 2021. Are you curious about investing in real estate, but aren't sure if it's the right fit for you? Join us and other trailblazing physician investors and their spouses for a four-day deep dive into their experiences building their real estate portfolios. You'll hear from them about how investing in real estate, specifically cash flowing rentals, has accelerated their journeys to fire and to freedom. See the link in the show notes for additional details. We'll see you there. All right, let's cover number three. Uh, and I love this one uh, because this it, this definitely covers mindset as well. But the third one is uh, putting in cash offers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because a lot of a lot of our students come to us and they're so frustrated because they're like, this one deal, there were 10 offers. I was like the second or third in line, but I got beat out by a cash offer. Mm-hmm. Right? And the cash offer might even be lower. We've yes. actually seen that a number of times. It's just a difference of the cash offer is even $10,000 lower than the student offer, but the cash offer won. So the question is, what can you do to be able to offer a cash offer? And the reason a cash offer is so attractive to the seller is they know that there's probably going to be a shorter close. So maybe in a week or two, they will have the property completely sold rather than waiting a month or 45 days. They know that you're going to be able to buy the property instead of getting to the financing contingency and then the whole deal falls apart. And that actually happens more than you'd like to think it does in real estate. So a cash offer will often look more attractive to a seller. So how do you become that cash offer? Well, number one is if you have a primary residence, one thing is you could get a HELOC on your primary residence. If you have that kind of equity sitting in that primary residence, now that equity becomes mobilized and you can use it to put a cash offer in and then lock up the deal, get it purchased, and then go and get traditional financing after that. So that's one potential. We have students also doing things like partnering with others. We have students borrowing money from their 401ks or borrowing money from other people. So there are a lot of different ways. And if you're really interested in exploring some options for what to do if you run out of money, make sure to check out our blog post, 11 ways that you can fund your real estate portfolio. All right, let's cover the uh, fourth way you can compete uh, in a market. Uh, and this is uh, expanding your network beyond just agents. Uh, and so one thing you got to realize is that agents aren't your only source of deal. I mean, we talked about finding your own deals on Redfin or the MLS. Then we talked about working with agents, but there are actually other sources of deals. And this might include, for example, working with estate lawyers, mm-hmm. right? Estate lawyers will work with uh, people who have lo- lost a family member uh, and they inherited a property that ultimately they don't want. They don't want to inherit, you know, they've inherited a rental property. They don't want to deal with it. Oftentimes what they'll do is they'll go to their estate lawyer and say, hey, we 
we don't know anything about real estate. We just want to get rid of this thing uh, and get the money out so we can split it amongst all the uh, heirs. And so that's one way you can potentially get uh, an in on a deal. And I think it's a kind of a cool way of, of finding deals if you have those relationships. Another one is using wholesalers. So wholesalers are people that go around and they find owners who want to sell their properties quickly often. Um, it may be the owner is in trouble financially, or it may be that they you know, are getting a divorce. So for whatever reason, they really want to sell this property quickly. And so the wholesaler will actually lock up the deal and then take it and sell it to a real estate investor and they'll take a fee on top of the sales price. And so you can create as a real estate investor, those relationships with wholesalers in your market, and they'll bring you deals that aren't on the MLS, aren't on the listing service for everyone to see. And now all of a sudden, it's a deal just being brought directly to you. It takes out all of the competition. And it's a really great way to expand your reach in terms of finding new properties. Yeah. And both of these, just similar to agents, you know, it involves developing a good relationship. If you want to be on the top of your wholesalers list, then you need to have a good relationship. And and some of the best agents out there, the best investor agents, I should say, out there do have relationships with these wholesalers. I remember talking to one agent and they were like very, very tight-lipped about their wholesale. They didn't mm-hmm. want to give, a, give us their name or contact because uh, this was their they were on the top of that wholesalers list and they would get all the really good deals uh, that they, they would then in turn give to their favorite investors. So yeah, if you can develop some of these relationships directly with a wholesaler, then it can become a good source of deals for sure. So number five is acting quickly. And for those of you who have never invested in real estate, who maybe have your own primary residence, this is very, very different. So in real estate, oftentimes you have to lock up a deal or get it under contract before you've even seen it. And I know that scares a lot of people who are who have bought their primary residence. They went around and saw a hundred different houses. They decided on one that they wanted. They went and saw it and then they put in the offer. It's very different. So what that means is you'll be, let's say, looking at Redfin every day and a deal will pop up. It will have been listed for about an hour. You literally have to talk to your agent and put in that offer as fast as as you can. And sometimes getting that offer in within the first hour will get the deal locked up and off market and yours instead of if you found it five hours later. That It literally can be a matter of an hour that will make the difference of getting that property. Yeah. I mean, typically there's not going to be an open house for an investment property. And think about it. The, the reason is, is that a lot of them have tenants in them mm-hmm. and sellers don't want to have people walking through a tenant's unit and also the tenant's unit may not actually be kept very well, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, so a lot of these investment properties oftentimes won't even have pictures because the owner couldn't get into the unit to take pictures or it just wasn't presentable. And then they're also not going to hold open houses to let you see the property before putting in an offer. So as Leticia said, you have to really act quickly and get these properties locked up. And if you can be the first to lock a property up, you can be the first to put in that offer, then you have a good chance of locking that property up. So let's give some examples from our own portfolio. Yeah. So one of our first purchases that first year was a fourplex. Mm -hmm. As you remember, we uh, locked it up fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. And when we went to the inspection, because it was local as in Washington, the owner showed up and he was angry Mm because he had had an offer come in after he had accepted ours that was $40,000 thousand dollars more. And so he really didn't want to go through with the deal. He was hoping we were going to back out because he had this $40,000 more offer in that back pocket. And that was, again, an example of us locking it up quickly 
acting quickly and we got the deal because of it. Yeah. Another one was where uh, it was actually a day before uh, this one, well, there was an open house. That was mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Uh, but the day before an open house, uh, we were actually able to get in and see a property, meet the owner. And we put in an offer within a few hours of meeting with that uh, owner. And, and then the owner actually took the house off the market, canceled the open house, and then later found out that there were a number of other buyers that would have uh, purchased that property for considerably more. I think it was like forty dollars or $50,000 more than we offered. I don't remember if, if uh, hearing that she was angry, but definitely I'm sure that that was probably pretty frustrating. But in that case, she was super motivated to sell right. because she had a tenant she didn't like, and she was living in the property. Um, and she had already made so much money with the property um, when, you know, at the point she was going to sell it, that she just really wanted somebody to show up who would move quickly, who she knew was going to be able to close. And our agent was able to tell a really great story about how we were actually going to be able to afford the property and follow through that really convinced her to lock it up, cancel that open house and just move forward with us. Mm -hmm. So you really never know the situation with the seller. And you would think in this current market that, you know, if I put in an offer, they're going to want to wait and get 12 other offers first, but that's not always the case. Sometimes if you put that offer in right away, you actually win the deal. Yeah. And it's not just us. We have a number of stories from our students also in this market, locking up properties, you know, even if they're like 10, 12, 14 offers, uh, they get in there so quickly right? That they are able to lock it up before all those offers are coming in. So uh, we definitely hear these stories of people, uh, of our students, a number of stories of our students locking properties up pretty quickly. And how cool is it that you combine all this, right? You come in, you act quickly, you offer cash. Mm -hmm. Um, You have an agent who adores you and can go you know, champion you to Mm -hmm. the seller in a way that he wouldn't be able to, or she wouldn't be able to, if she didn't have that relationship with you. And, you know, now you've made a deal happen, right? Because you showed up in all the right ways with all the right resources. That's true. Yeah. One of of our agents in the past uh, would talk to the listing agent and say, you know, these are solid buyers, you know, they're not going to flake. So definitely, uh, you know, this is a solid offer. Definitely encourage your your uh, seller to, to take this one. Actually, I think of one of the agents right now who who actually secured an offer for significantly, I want to say millions less than other offers. Again, it's a relationship that he formed with the seller that made all the difference mm-hmm. in the world. Okay. So our final one, number six is diversify options. So can you explain what that means? Yeah. So let's say that you know, you're know you focused on uh, multifamily and you're fo- focused on long-term rentals and you, you know, you're just not finding a lot of options. Uh, so why not kind of change what you're looking for? Uh, and so you can kind of expand it to, let's say, short-term rentals. You can expand into medical office. Uh, maybe you can look for things like assisted living. Uh, so there are many other different options that you can kind of completely switch to. And, and then what, what that does is it changes the criteria of what you're looking for. So you're going from looking for multifamily to, if you're looking for a short-term rental, you're moving to looking for a single family home. And it's a very, very kind of different option. Uh, if you're looking for a medical office, again, completely different asset class. Uh, and it may there may actually be other options. And I say medical office is a really interesting one in this time where a lot of people are working more virtually, right? And so that actually may create more opportunities for medical office. Uh, and so therefore you kind of you're kind of shifting asset classes, you're increasing your options, you're giving your agent more options beyond just the multifamily and them saying, sorry, I don't have anything in multifamily, but 
hey, there is a single family home here for a short-term rental or medical office building. I think the only risk for that though is you can overpay. So for example, if you're buying a single family home at a much inflated price that it would never work as a long-term rental because it works as a short-term rental, you can get in this situation where you're paying more than you would have if it was a long-term rental and then the market changes or rules in the local area change. And then all of a sudden you're you have a single family home that you can't make a short-term rental anymore. And now you're cash flow negative. So I think the perfect situation is actually if you're into long-term rentals and you buy something that works as a long-term rental, and maybe you add that short-term rental component to it, maybe like some of our students are buying fourplexes or things like that, and they're ending up renting one of the units as a short-term rental that increases their cash flow, but the property still has a lot of options and still would work if the rules were to change. Yeah, I, I think that this last option, you know, diversifying has some downsides to it. If you expand into too many different areas, then you're not really, you lose that kind of focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and focus is something that we think is really, really important. Uh, if you haven't read the book, The One Thing, uh, you definitely want to read that because it's really kind of talks about the power of focus. Uh, and so when we say focus, we, we focus on long-term rentals. Um, but uh, if we were to expand into something, we would probably choose one other option. Uh, so with this one, I would say, you know, if you're having trouble finding something in the multifamily space, then you could consider expanding into one other option and develop an expertise around that, whether it's short-term rentals or whether it's a medical office. And that's, again, that would help mitigate that downside. Now, in terms of the downside uh, you were talking about, you know, certainly, you know, whenever you get into something like short-term rentals or medical office, you have to think about the downside of entering that space. And as you said, there's downsides to short-term rentals. There's downsides downsides to medical office or potential downsides that you have to think through before you kind of expand into a completely different asset class. Uh, and I think that's kind of what you were talking about mm-hmm, is that you really exactly. want to kind of think about it before you expand. But if you do have that expertise or you develop that expertise in a second asset class, then I think, again, going to your agent and saying, hey, I'm interested in this or this, right? And that just expands the options for the agent uh, in terms of finding deals for you. Yeah, I think the key word there is expertise. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think about the advice of one of our mentors, Keith Cunningham, when I was talking to him about some retired MD, and he said, go really deep, you know, just like the Grand Canyon was able to carve through rock because it was so focused, it went deep, rather than wide and end up like a giant two inch mud puddle. Um, And so that's the same idea as you need expertise. And yeah, maybe you're going to have expertise in one and one or two areas, but you're not going to be able to develop. Well, I won't say you won't be able to, that's, that's wrong, but it's less likely you're going to be able to develop that wide range of expertise in five different asset classes and develop the relationships that you need to be able to compete in a hot market. Yeah. Um, And that that also applies to markets as well, right? mm -hmm. You don't, you don't want to uh, go into multiple different hot markets because again, it's that it's that Grand Canyon depth, right? You really want to develop those deep, deep relationships, and also you want to develop that deep, deep exper- expertise in an asset class. And you know, if you develop that deep, deep expertise in one market, one asset class, then maybe at that point you can start to carve out a second, you know, deep. Canyon in a different uh, market or a different asset class. Uh, you know, maybe that you know, maybe at that point that would be okay. You wouldn't lose that focus that you need in order to develop that expertise. I'm also going to put one more out there. I think about our mixed use property. Mm-hmm. It's got four uh, apartments up 
top and mm-hmm. then it's got an office space underneath. That's also another really great opportunity. You could actually combine asset classes in one building. That's and true. now you have that risk mitigation that if the office building is empty for three or four or five months while you're finding a new tenant, you still have cash flow coming in from those apartments above. And that's why I really like our mixed use property as a good way to risk mitigate really. Yeah, that's that's a great point actually. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to diversify into something which is really actually quite different. Mixed use is really very different than a long-term rental, but you get a lot of those benefits of that long-term rental, um, but you kind of get into that office space market and the benefit of triple net leases Uh, For those who don't know what triple net leases are, it's where the tenant actually pays for a lot of your operational costs like property taxes, insurance, and utilities. Uh, And so really, really cuts down on costs. And in our mixed use is, I mean, it's killer deal because we have that triple net situation going. Uh, We have the residential units above. uh, And no matter what happens, you know, it almost feels like you're kind of insulated. Uh, you have some of that kind of, you know, you know, the benefit of the residential, also the benefit of the office, and there are different benefits, uh, and they also help mitigate different risks. Yeah, it's the diversifying of options within the same building, which mm-hmm. is the same thing our students are doing who are buying fourplexes and keeping three of the units long-term rentals and making one, uh, you know, a short-term rental, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's the same thing. So that, I think, really fits really well into that number six. So there you go. Those are the six ways we have for you for how to compete in a hot market. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned a lot from it. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. We'll see you next time. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.